This is Drive, and I'm Jim Farley. I never expected to be a podcaster, ever. And yet here I am, interviewing all these cool people about the thing I love, cars. And I've had such a great time getting to know different people through the lens of their relationship with cars. I've learned a lot, I laughed, I've gotten a little emotional, and I've been surprised along the way. It's 6 a.m. this morning, and I'm out there with my friend throwing the football in my front yard, you know, thinking, who the hell else in the world is doing this right now? I mean, no one. My next guest is Tom Brady. Like, what is wrong with me where I set the alarm for 5.30 on Friday morning where I'm like, I got to get out there and work on throwing the football. So that is an imbalance. And we're going to start in a place you wouldn't expect, the NFL parking lot. So if you're in the NFL parking lot at a facility, you're basically going to see every car Mm -hmm. known to man. And a lot of it's based on, you know, guys' styles and so forth. Some guys have been in the league for a long time. So listen, they've made some money. So when you make some money, you can afford a nicer car. Some guys Mm -hmm. haven't made a lot of money. Most football players, a lot of guys that are making 150 grand, which I know is a lot of money, but Mm -hmm. after taxes, you're at 75 grand. You're not going to go spend you know, $50,000 on a car if, if you're paying, you know, 75 grand, if you're, you know, net 75 grand. So, you know, you're going to find beautiful cars from all the fancy, you know, the Ferraris, which is hard for the bigger guys. Most guys are going to have trucks. Uh, you know, most guys, I think. Because they're bigger. They're bigger guys yep. and, and they're going to need a lot of room because it's not just the size of the guy. It's the size of all your stuff, too. Yeah. You know, it's not like you yep. have, you know, it's I, whenever I go travel with my wife, for example, I have a suitcase, you know, and she's got a suitcase and her suitcase is about a third of the size of mine. And she's got twice as much clothes in there. And she's always like, why, why are you bringing such a big suitcase? And I'm like, cause my shoes are size 13. Like there's only, only mm-hmm. so many size 13s I can fit into a, you know, a, a bag before I got to get another bag. So when you're 320 pounds or you're a size 17 shoe, you know, all your stuff is big. It's not just you that's big. So, you know, I'm sure a big pickup truck for a guy who's 330 pounds, doesn't feel like it's that big of a truck at the day. But he's not squeezing mm. his body into some, you know, four-door coupe. So, you know, it's a big, comfortable car. And then you got some of the flashier guys that have, you know, some of the faster, you know, Lamborghinis. I've seen mm. Lamborghinis. I've seen, you know, mm. Rolls Royces, you know, as that top, top level. And then I've seen guys who are pretty smart with how they take care of their money, too. They find something that's nice, but it's more economical, too. So is there anyone that you ever played with that had like a car that was pretty, pretty normal and didn't have to have a normal car, but did just because, you know, that's, and, you that's know, a lot old. of guys. And it's usually the guys who make kind of the best decisions mm. on the field are typically the ones that make the best decisions off the field too. That's interesting. So yeah. The guys that are really like smart and dependable and guys that are really, you know, smart about how they take care of their bodies. They're the ones that I think are the ones that are responsible when they're buying you know, cars too. They're not overspending for, you know, their lifestyle. And I think the hard part is when you get guys, and I see a lot with young players, you know, you never know how long a career is going to last. So after you get your first paycheck and it's the first time that you've ever had money because you went to college and you had a $300 scholarship check and, you know, you're on a college campus. So you walked everywhere, but right. the first time you got, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in the bank, you want to go buy a fancy car, you know? And I'm like, guys, yeah. this is not the way to spend yep. the money. You know, you got it. You got to think yeah. about how you're going to spend it. So there's a lot of guys over the years that have just bought more simple cars. And- I love that. This is something I think a lot about and talk to my wife a lot about, which is 
when we work really hard uh, over a lot of years and you're lucky enough or fortunate enough to be in our situations, but yet you don't want your kids to take yeah. anything for granted. I, I know you're a gr- great father, a great husband. I, I try to do the best I can. How, how, what's your formula to keep your kids' feet on the ground? Because this is something my kids are getting in high school now, and I, I'm always talking to my wife about this topic. I love your insights. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's a, obviously a great question, and it's probably the hardest thing for us as parents, you know, with myself and my wife. My wife grew up in rural, you know, Brazil, the furthest state south, uh, Rio Grande de Sul, very small kind of farming town, very simple girl. You know, there were two bedrooms in their house, one for their parents and one for her and her five sisters, you know, and I grew up in, I, and I would say a middle-class family in California. My dad worked his ass off for our family. My mom stayed at home, took care of us kids. Mm. And I saw my mom work every day to make food for us at night and, you know, wash our clothes. And you know, they supported us by coming to all our games and, you know, it was amazing, you know, and then I look at my life with my family and it's so fast. I mean, it's just, we have people that clean for us. We have people that make our food. We have people that drive mm-hmm. us to the airport if we need that. You know, we get off the, we get off a plane mm-hmm. and there's people waiting there for us and we get ushered in. And it's just, that's my kid's reality, which is the hard part to say, guys, this is not the way reality really is, you know? And what can we do about that? I think we can try to create experiences that are more along the lines of what most kids go through even though they'll still have mm-hmm. experiences that a lot of kids never do have. And we'll never have. it's hard to, 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 to make those things up too. You know, I can't say, Hey, we're going to go back and live on uh, Portola drive in San Mateo because mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's pretty hard thing to do just for privacy purposes and so forth. So sure. I don't know the right answer. You know, I don't know the right answer as a parent. There's a lot of things I'm still learning as a parent. I know that I've screwed up a lot of things. That's the reality of being a parent, but you know, you just hope you can show them enough things to realize that when they are doing things that are are selected for mom and dad to make our lives more convenient, that that is a treat. You know, that is a something that is is not what every kid goes through. Probably one of the biggest challenges we have as parents. Totally, totally there too. So, what are you strict about? As, I, as a I dad? try to be, rel- I try to be pretty strict about their diet. You know, because. I feel like okay. that was something I got started really late on in my life. And I really had to overcome a lot of mm-hmm. kind of physical challenges to have the career in football that I wanted. And when I started to make those good choices with my how I, you know, you see me every time I'm walking around with water. You know, I got my water next to me. You know, yep. the stuff that I'm eating is very healthy. Trying to be as healthy as I can when I'm not at home, even though, you know, I'm probably just more typical when I'm on the road. Mm-hmm. But I really want to instill in my kids healthy food choices. And that's something that's been really important to me and my wife because I want them to maximize their physical ability and limits. I want to give them a good start in that area of life. I think education is obviously important for all of us. Um, but I'm not worried about that at all. I feel like, you know, they, they, they've got that under control. But I think their physical body and then, and then, and then perspective. You know, I think that I'm always trying to let them know the other side of the story too. You know, there's one perspective you have, but oh, by the way, there's a lot of other perspectives. I told my, my son the other day, I said, he's like, dad, do I really need to play with, you know, he's 12. We just got a nine-year-old, nine-year-old sister. Dad, do I need to play with her? Like, why do I need to play with her? She doesn't even, she's not as good as me in it. It's not fun playing with her. I said, well, listen, 
Mm-hmm. What about when you're playing with your older brother and he says, you know, well, I don't want to play with Benny because he's not as good at me in it. You, how would you feel about that? And he goes, well, that's a good thought, dad. So I'm going to go try to, I'll go play with her. But the point was, was it's going to be a lot of things we're good at in life. There's going to be a lot of things we're bad at in life. We got to see the perspective. When we're good at something and someone else isn't good at something, have perspective because you're not going to be good at everything either. And I think, you know, you develop relationships with family members or friends we met each other through the game of golf. You know, you're going to play with people at golf that just aren't good, but that's okay. You can still enjoy yep. it and have a great time because you're going to play yep. with guys that are a lot better than you. And you want to enjoy, have them enjoy that experience too. So yes. you know, I think so much of it is just having the right perspective on things. Of, you know, that's a, a very important part of life. So what was your first car? So growing up in the Bay Area, um, my first car I bought from my sister. I had a, my sister's three years older than me. I had three older sisters. My oh. middle sister, Julie, bought a car, a 1967 Dodge Dart. And she bought it for $1,000. <laughs> and uh, it got passed down to me when I, you know, three years later when I was 16, she went off to college. And I bought it from her for 500 bucks. <laughs> I had a car that could get, basically get me to and from school, which was about a mile and a half away, which I obviously could have walked or rode a bike. But, you know, when you have all your gear and your backpacks, you drive it. But the funny thing was it never started. You know, it was sure. always so I never knew if it was going to start or not. I mean, it was as long as I mean, it was as long as the boat that I owned. It was massive. I mean, it was just and if the temperature was below 50 degrees, it was 50 50 whether it was going to start or not. So. <laughs> I really did gain an appreciation for it, though, and I've always been someone who kind of took care of the things that I had. Oh, so okay. I would always, I'd wash it, I'd vacuum it. I mean, I made this thing look oh, okay. as good as it could possibly look. And that was probably in 1994 that I ended up buying it from her. Um, you know, and I still remember it at this cream color, but I, I treated it like it was, you know, uh, you know a ferrari i mean i thought it was like the coolest thing in the world and <laughs> because it was mine it was the first time i really had something like that this is drive and i'm jim farley i wanted to ask you a little bit about um things that don't go our way so in business having the opportunity to lead forward is, is, is such a privilege, but I got here in a very unpredictable way. Like I would, if you were 199 in the draft, I would be like, I'd be like <laughs> 299 <laughs> in the draft. Uh, but, but when I look back at all my experiences, they actually all, especially the failures, they all kind of almost perfectly prepared me for this moment, which I don't know how it worked out. You know, look, I worked really hard. I got a lot of opportunities, got lucky uh, too, but you know, it all kind of came together. And it's interesting now because, you know, to be an athlete, so to speak, as a business leader, it can come late mm. in your life. And, and, and it did for me. I was definitely a late bloomer. And I, I definitely learned the most from my failures. How, how would you describe your kind of, your um, your perspective on that topic of like overcoming, working around the things yeah. that maybe you're not so good at, accentuating yeah. you're really I, I, good it's at. Exactly the way that you described it. You know, you there's a great saying. You know, you either win or you learn. You know, and if you learn from the losses mm. and you learn from things that didn't go well, it could be a great positive in your life because 
you got to dig deep when things don't go well. The games we've lost in my career, I know I would say losing a game in terms of perspective is relatively meaningless in the grand scheme of things. But in the moment, it feels like a lot. But it allows you to look at kind of deep perspective on, okay, where are our failures? What are the processes that are wrong? Where are the things that we did wrong? What are the things that we need to do to improve? You don't typically do that when things are going well. And I think great leaders, I had one when I was playing for the Patriots, you know, great leaders, they're always saying, well, it's good, but these are all the things that we screwed up when things went well too. As opposed to saying, look, the Mm -hmm. only time we're really going to correct ourselves is when things go poorly. So then you wait to do poorly and then to correct yourself. When things are going good, you have to be very conscious and aware of why things are going good and then try to continue to repeat those things rather than say, well, things went great because I'm just so great at all these things and they're going to continue to go great because I'm going to roll out of bed in the morning and they're going to go great again. You know, I think people, that's Mm -hmm. a very common trait, I think, by a lot of people that achieve things, achieve things, but then again, don't continue to maximize what they could become. You know, the best athletes that I've ever been around and the best teams that I've ever been on, they were the teams that had the guys with the chips on their shoulders. They were the guys that were the late bloomers. They're Mm -hmm. the ones that developed sustainable traits of success that was discipline, communication, work ethic, teamwork, humility, self-awareness, all those traits that you see in people that endear you to them. When I'm around those guys, I feel like I'm the best person I could be for myself. When I'm not around those guys and I'm around other people, I'm just going, God, what? It's, it's, it's not enjoyable because that's not how I see things. I want to be around people that are always trying to work a little bit harder. I'm trying to be around people that are just trying to work a little bit smarter, that are trying to learn from their mistakes. You know, So I think so much of it is just trying to continue to you know, reach another level. And, you know, when you have a chip on your shoulder when you're young and things don't necessarily go the way you want when you're in high school or college, you develop some inner toughness, some mental toughness to go, you know what? I may not have got that opportunity, but I learned from not getting it. And when I get the next one, I'm going to be prepared. And, you know, I was saying to to some friends yesterday, life's not, it's, you know, as we say, life's not fair, but you're going to work really hard at a lot of things and still fail. Working hard is just not, it doesn't mean you're going to succeed. You know, there's other people that are working hard too. You got to work hard for the right things. And even if you work hard at the right things, you're going to fail. You know, failure is just life. Life is about overcoming Mm -hmm. our adversities. We're going to be faced with so many challenges over the course of our life. What do we need to develop within ourselves that could be sustainable over a long period of time in order to, you know, achieve our, 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 our highest and best potential. Do you think that that sense in you, that, uh, that sense that you just described is something that kind of you picked up along the way? Is this something inside of you as a person, uh, Kaizen, you know, looking for that improvement, looking for using that chip to kind of, you know, continue to go on that road of perfection? Is this something that you learned from other people? Where did it come from? I know where it came from in my, my role, but I'm, I, I think a lot of people would be interested in, in where to come well, from. Well, I grew up in a, in a family. I'd say it started young. I was pretty competitive young. We had a very mm-hmm. sports-centric family. Um, my mom and dad were 
very I competitive, see. but, and they were, they, they loved sports. I had three very competitive sisters and probably three nights a week, the nights I would be spending at the ball fields with my sisters in the outfield, you know, playing catch with my, you okay. know, the other brothers of the girls that are out there playing the game. And I just, you know, I saw those girls and they were great achievers in their sport. And I was always kind of known around the around San Mateo as Maureen and Julie and Nancy's younger brother. This is my little brothers. <laughs> and I wrote an essay and I read, a, I wrote an essay in high school and I was like, one day they're going to be known as Tom Brady's sisters. <laughs> Cause for my whole life, all the way up through eighth grade, I was, I was, I was Julie and Nancy and Maureen Brady's brother. That is awesome. And it was really awesome. cute. You know, we still talk about those stories today and I just, <laughs> Never in my wildest dreams did I ever imagine that I'd be playing football in the NFL for as long as I have. And I, I mean, I never imagined any of this. Like, I'm sure you never imagined you having the opportunity to do what you do and lead the group right. of people that you do. And it's really a blessing. And it's a great having perspective is so important. And tried never to take it for granted. I just, I love it. I love the opportunity to work with people that, you know, I really enjoy and you know, that's been the best part about playing sports is working with guys that I just love. That's a great perspective. It'd be interesting to have your sisters on the show and, and ask them, uh, in an honest moment, what, what would they say was the same about you as you grew up versus today? And what's different? I think the person that I am is still very similar. Um, I actually feel like I'm the same kid I've learned a lot more. I think what's different for me, the challenges are there are, there's, there's, I don't know, you know, it'd be probably better to ask them, you know, I wish I could get them on the show with you, but yeah, there's, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's the hardest thing for me? Time, you know, and just the allocation of time. Okay. And, and I wish, okay. I, I moved away and went to Michigan. So I grew up in San Mateo. I moved to Michigan, you know, I chose there. I moved to Boston. Now I'm, move to Tampa, mm. you know, I'm going to build a house in Miami. Yep. Like I never worked my way yep. back to the West coast, you know, and it just, for one reason or another, I think I see. the hardest change has been not being around kind of those roots that I had, you know, I had amazing roots growing up, growing up in the San Francisco area was incredible, totally different way of life. Um, but at the same time, it just, it created my my family was the biggest blessing. They they got it all started, you know. They just their support run a family text, and it's my dad's birthday today. And it's just everyone's. Oh, okay. You know, I think it's just what technology's done is it does keep us closer. But you know, we're just everyone gets to tell my dad how much we appreciate him, how much we love him, how much he's meant to us. So, you know, that's probably the thing that's changed the most. My time, my time spent with them, and probably the toughest part about my profession. And, and also, you know, my kind of, you know, my drive to continue to play. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a little bit tormenting. It's, there's a mm -hmm. little bit, I would mm -hmm. say a, a serious imbalance in my personality toward football and success in football and, you know, 6am this morning and I'm out there with my friend throwing the football on us in my front yard, you know, thinking who the hell else in the world is doing this right now? I mean, no one, like what is wrong with me where I set the alarm for five 30 on Friday morning, where I'm like, I got to get out there and work on throwing the football. So that is an imbalance. 
I, I love being around people that yeah. are balanced, to be honest. Uh, it's it's totally exciting for me. I, I've been a car person my whole life, and uh, it totally is twisted. Like all my friends, you know, my hobby is racing cars. I build, I, I work on cars. I'm like a one-dimensional guy. Like I'm not changed at all. And I'm totally imbalanced about it. But, you know, yeah. I'm having a great time. So yeah. so what? It's working. And you know what? When you find us, you know, again, yeah. like what we explained to, I, I was with a group of kids the other day, you know, and we, we, they said, well, you know, how hard do you have to work to play football? And I said, you know what? I don't feel like I work at it. I'm very lucky. I love it. And I said, I shot, I was on this movie set for two days. And the second day driving in, I'm like, oh God, you know, second day, holy cow. Like, is mm. this, what is this mm. going to be? over i mean god <laughs> and then yet it's football season mm-hmm. and i drive into work every day for seven months and i'm like here we go baby you know football it is let's figure out let's time to go time to go <laughs> time to work to go. and it's like yeah it's it's the aspect of life of when you find what you love you just you do you want to do it there's just such an yes. enjoyment about the process of it and you know throwing the football this morning i'm just like the ball's coming out of my hand and i'm like whoa that's the one right there baby and you know not a lot of people get to play pro football. I think the experience that a lot of people probably do play is golf. And I'm always like, it's imagine being on the dr- on the driving yes. range and you hit a seven iron just so flush. And the only thing you want to do is just take that seven iron and do it again. You just want to keep hitting them. And, to, and, and that's the feeling it is throwing a football for me. You know, When it comes off your hand the way you want it and exactly the place you want, you get addicted to that feeling of, wow, that's exactly what I wanted to do. That's what I did. And, you know, that's, you know, you, I, I, I started playing with balls when I was a kid, you know what I mean? As I played with football, baseball, basketball, and it mm. made my life very simple in so many ways. You know, it was this pursuit of dribbling a ball or throwing a ball or hitting a ball. And, you know, I, I didn't really, ca- I could care less about anything else. You loved cars. I loved, you know, a ball. I mean, it's just pretty simple at the end of the day. For me, my, the joy I have in, in leading forward, I, uh, is, is like developing a product that people absolutely love and they had no idea that they would even need it. Um, throughout my career, you know, the RX 300, which was for mostly women customers for Lexus, it totally changed our industry. The RAV4, I was a product planner who suggested that four-door small pickup truck. I worked on a lot of cool things that I, no one, everyone is like, Jim, that will never work. And I'm like, no, no, it's going to work. It's going to work. They're like, nope, don't even mention it again. We are so sick of you talking about this. You got to stop talking about it. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. If you just give me a chance and we build this product, it's going to be really successful. And, and then when it is, you're like, you know, I told you so. You guys were totally wrong. That is the biggest turn on for for me still, even after all these years, we we did the Lightning F-150. A lot of people in the company are like, you cannot make an electric F-150. That's like, that, does, that will not work. No one wants an electric F-150. I'm like, you're wrong. Wow. You're totally wrong. So it's funny how, I, I don't know how that gets... Um, where you like something so much and it's kind of natural and you almost don't even question it. It yeah. just kind of happens. Yeah. It just kind of appears you. in front of you too. And you mm. just, I don't know, these amazing things happen at the right time and you just, 
you know, you, you don't, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a blessing. You know, it's people will say, you know, amazing what's happened in your life and uh, you achieving this. And in so many ways in my mind, I mm. think, you know what? There's so many people that paved the roads for me. You know what I mean? I, there's so many, right. I was a beneficiary of so many great people in my life, things that happened in my life, opportunities. How could I, I went to, I went to, you know, I grew up in the Bay Area where the 49ers were the team. You know, they were the team. And so I, I oh, fell in yeah. love with football. What if I was in yeah. Philadelphia at the time? I don't know. I may not have the same love. Yeah. You know, I went to a college that was all about the team. And what if I went to Cal, oh, Cal Berkeley yeah. instead of Michigan? How different I would be. I got drafted by the New England Patriots at the same time mm. that Bill Belichick was his first year. I mean, what a confluence of so many different yep. things that were so out of my control. And then here I was just, I look around, what a coincidence. Wow, that was about a 1% chance of happening. Wow, that was about a 1% chance. That was about a 1% mm. chance. And I look at all these things, and I'm like, what a blessing, you know, what a blessing. So what are these NFTs? I, I'm reading more and more about your NFTs and uh, it's kind of a big bet, and I'm I'm really curious about it because it's it's kind of a digital brand. Absolutely, it's I, and I, I, it's interesting, you know, as I've seen things evolve. Um, you know, I think for the layman out there who doesn't know a lot about it, it's basically a digital collectible. And I just feel like, you know, when I was introduced to them probably a year and fourteen months ago, it was a way of con connecting with my fans in in a deeper way. You know, how can we create collectibles oh, I see. how can we create experiences how can we create things in the digital world for people that love things that i was doing and we do that you know we we give i'd say our fans kind of what they want the nfl can give them jerseys to wear or uh, trading card companies can give fans things to collect or you can take yep. Uh, you know, photos and, and videos of things that you're doing and put them on your social media to give to the fans. And I thought there was another way to do it, which was to create unique collectibles, create unique experiences that they can take with them, uh, you know, with them where they go in their life. For me, I've collected different things over the years. I love my trading cards, but, you know, I carried them with me everywhere that I've gone for my whole life. You know, there's that tangible aspect and now they're right, sitting in my right. basement somewhere and I don't get to look at them because they're there but yep. you know people are creating yep. digital versions of those things that we can creep up in our wallet on our phone makes sense as I've recognized the world is only going more digital brands like Ford brands like uh, IWC yep. or Rolex or Audemars Piguet or you know or athletes like you know Tiger Woods how can he connect with his fans directly and how can they own something that's really unique to him and i think we as athletes get to tell our stories more and more just through our own filter we don't necessarily have to go a traditional mount route of media you're doing your podcast you can connect just directly one-on-one -on -one with them we can do that in our own way and we can create things individually now that we can get to our fans as well so it's kind of just um it's been a really cool journey to learn about where you know, like I said, you're thinking about the future of what the car industry looks like and how you as a leader of a great brand can take that into a new world. I'm looking at ways that I can connect with my fans in a new world as well. So it's a really exciting time there. Um, I think our brand's done great things, Autograph, and 
um, you know, I want to continue to to kind of be a pioneer in the field. Makes perfect sense. My son and I, we both love cars, but he cars that I don't like. So we are constantly at each other, like, and he loves yeah. Mopars. And the louder the color, the better. I'm like, and his name is Jameson. I'm like, Jameson, yeah. I'm the head of Ford. I can't, you can't drive a Dodge <laughs> Demon, you know, to our house. He's like, Dad, but you know, it's really cool and it's a Hellcat be great. And we got to get a wide body. And it's got to be bright green. I'm like, Jameson, that is not working yeah. for me as the head of board. He's like, well, then I guess I'll have to hide it, dad, because I'm going to get a job and I'm going to uh, buy a wide body demon. Uh, I love okay, it. Okay, great. <laughs> He's got his own point of view on yeah. things too. So I mean, totally. Absolutely. And he absolutely loves gaming and just exactly what you said. Like that's, I don't know about you, but for me, it was like, I was on my bike with my friends, we were like roaming around, killing time, having fun. When I hear him on gaming socially with his friends, it's exactly the same thing. They're talking about the same things that I was, uh, but instead of on the bike, they're they're gaming while they're doing it. It makes sense. A hundred percent. And you know what's interesting? I was I kind of fought. I, my wife fought it. I fought it a little bit. And yeah. then, you know, it's like. Because you want them to go exercise the physical, get outside and experience nature. And, you know, I think we do try to create those things for him. But my son laughs so hard when he's on that virtual reality yes. on his Oculus and he's playing with his friends. I've never heard him laugh so much, you know, <laughs> and that part of me is like, I can't, yeah. you know, when he's doing that, he's really in the moment. And I don't know what exactly how to correlate that when I was a kid, you know, I was really present in the moment with my friends but if that's what it if that's what he's interested in that's what he's interested in well it's been such a treat um to talk to you but i guess i have to ask one question like either what advice should you give to me or like what kind of car should we build that i'm not building if you had to change ford what would you do tom brady so that's why i've been buying your wrappers all these years (laughs) because you're making in my view you know what i think is amazing good stuff you know almost the perfect car so you know, I love the I love the EVs, and I think the biggest not having to go to the gas station is just the most just the coolest yeah. thing ever. I mean, and and I just think that you're, you know, it's creates some consciousness to 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 what we're doing in the world. And I love the fact that I have my Raptor and I can drive it. And, but I also love the fact that I'll have an EV too. So, you know, you're doing all the right yep. things. You don't need advice from me. I think you're. You know, you know better than ever what your consumer wants, and I'm kind of probably one of your one of your favorite consumers out there. So you know exactly, uh, you know what I like. That is a perfect way to wrap. Thank you so much, Tom Thanks, Brady. Thanks, Jim. Uh, all the best. Great. Appreciate okay. it. Drive is produced by Jesse Baker and Eric Newsom of Magnificent Noise for Spotify. Chris Curtin is consulting producer. Our production staff includes Julia Knott and Eva Walchover, with help from Lori Arpin. Jeff Nelson, Josh Malofsky, Darnell Macon, and Mark Truby. Special thanks to Liz Kellogg and Matt Lieber. Jim Farley is the host, and this is Drive. Drive.